Well, the tree of liberty is not water with the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. Oh, you regret this? And you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. <laughs> that might be the single dumbest. Incredible take, <laughs> right? I, I mean, so... Uh, I'm not I even saw, sure I get it. Like, I don't even know what he was saying, really. The best is on Twitter. I saw uh, a bunch of tweeting hashtag... Hands up, don't nuke. <laughs> Biden is just like, you know what? If, if you have an AR-15, you're going to catch a nuke. Well, like, he was kind of getting in and out of what liberals have been struggling with for generations to try to interpret the literal interpretation of the Second Amendment. Right. And, you know, like the well-regulated militia component, mm -hmm. I think is what he's talking about. But then he got into the blood of patriots. Yeah, wasn't it he, Jefferson who said that? He was I, like, you know what, folks? I kind of know better than the founding fathers. So they they've basically they gone past arguing the well-regulated militia. Now that now they're saying, um, you know, the you Second Amendment. Even if you have the right to bear arms as an individual, there's no point in doing it because we could nuke you. Yeah, because we could nuke you. <laughs> we could nuke you. Right? And it's like it's also kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if that's your position, you're just going to encourage Americans to buy more guns, right? Like. It's just the dumbest. It also is just stream of consciousness idiocy. Right. Right. It's just, but it's classic Biden. And so they, anyway, that's our new, new position here on the Second Amendment, according to the wow. United States. Welcome to the Ruthless Variety program. We got a big special Friday show today. Larry Kudlow is with us. Let's go. I mean, that's an awesome, awesome guest that we had. I, I mean, I've been a fan of his for years. The guy's a legend on Wall Street. Uh, also helped... Uh, president trump with his extremely success uh successful economy so totally and a complete stud great of him to do it uh talked us through the economy i thought provided some some interesting things that i hadn't quite thought about before so i'm 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 all fired up about that we got a lot of other stuff but we also have a couple of games we got to get to a couple of big games yeah it's uh today's uh cudlow and candy cudlow and candy let's go give the people what they want let's go um should we start? Should we start before? <laughs> it's Cudlow and Candy it's Day. Cudlow and Candy. You might as well open it early. Um, have you guys seen this thing making its rounds on Twitter about Brandeis University? Yes, it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. This I'm, is the the picnic thing. Yeah, yeah. So they've got uh, on their website they have what they would call violent language, right? And Literally what they say is violent language uh, that may be explicitly or implicitly violent expressions and metaphors that are used uh, casually or unintentionally. And these are examples that can be re replaced by saying something different. So they go through a bunch of things like the first one on it is killing it. Yeah, like if you tell someone, oh, he's absolutely killing it. They're like, no, no, no. Oh, that's violent language. Yeah, that's violent language. Instead, you should say great job or awesome. <laughs> 
right? And Which the is, explanation is like, if someone is doing well, we don't need to equate that to murder and exclamation point. Like, they are absolutely shocked. Right, right. So they go through this list of things in various uh, levels of outrage, and then they get to the word picnic. And I was like, what the hell? I'd never heard that before for picnic. And then I read the explanation that they provided at Brandeis University, and I was horrified. Yeah, it's horrific. Horrified. I was like, is that true? I, I, I can't believe that that word has stood this long if that is true. And But we looked it up. It what, turns out it's completely, completely made up. So what is their assertion of the origin of the word picnic? Well, so that, that I'll read it directly. I don't want to get anything wrong here. It's horribly offensive. The term picnic is often associated with lynchings of black people in the United States, in which white spectators were said to have watched people eating, referring to them as picnics <laughs> or other terms involving racial slurs against black people. I read that and I was like, holy cats, I had no idea that was the derivation of that word. Right. And then we looked it up. It turns out it's completely, that is completely false. It, it comes from a French term. What, what was the French Picnique? term? Picnic. Picnic. Yeah, it's not, not exactly. From uh, like the 1600s, right? 1642. 1642. And it, it was like a, a term for outdoor dining. Yeah. Well, it, and I think, didn't Reuters also do it? Yeah, fact? so there's that fact, there's all kinds of fact checks that come up on this. Fact check, Reuters does this one. The word picnic does not originate from racist lynchings. I mean, how the hell? And this is a university, and Brandeis University especially is just one of these like factories for this crazy left-wing nonsense like they're always coming up with this stuff and the the problem is like of course the media never you know all these ideas that were like radical 10 years ago they get mainstreamed they get completely mainstreamed so without having you know i'm shocked that reuters actually took the time to do a fact check on this usually they're like partially true even though it's like completely wrong so i just looked it up brandeis university has a one billion dollar endowment unbelievable incredible right we should tax the shit out yes, of Yes, we should. Right. <laughs> but, you, you know what you know what I thought was funniest on, on the Brandeis list? Is uh, of like uh, terms that are triggering? Trigger warning. Oh, it's triggers. Trigger warning is triggering. That I is, mean, like, that's, the, that's, where, that's where we are now. It's an endless cycle. Th- this, this um, I think, dovetails to another, you know, conversation we've, ha- we've been having in politics right now, which is like critical race theory. And, you know, what what liberals have tried to do is basically couch all of critical race theory into this idea that we don't teach enough, you know, history of racism and slavery and, and all this stuff in America, which, of course, is not true. And look, I'm all for a public debate on 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 teaching more about things like the Tulsa massacre and yeah. things like that or like things we did to the Native Americans that were bad. Yes, sure. Let's let's. But 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 what this shows is a perfect illustration of what the actual motives when they say history are is they just want to make up new things to be outraged about. It's incredible. It's like, this is literally no basis in fact. Right. And for somebody who's comes up, up upon it with good intentions, you know, as I did today, you read it and I'm horrified. Right. Yep. You know, if I didn't have the wherewithal to do a Google search after that, I would have been like forever changed my language. You know, I mean, it's un, it's it truly, is. it's remarkable. It is. He's, oh man. And you know what? This is part of it. So, you know, perfect seg into our next topic is uh, a new survey confirms that American news media is the world's least trusted. Yeah. So the Pointer Institute surveyed 92,000 people in 46 different countries and found just 29% uh, in the U.S. believe the news compared to 45% in Canada and 54% in Brazil. 
That's like that's un that 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 tells you everything. You know, they made made their bed and now they're sleeping in it. But particularly when you consider the slope, and I don't know if they have done if they have historical rankings here, but it wasn't too Ooh, that's long a good ago point. when you know network news is a pretty trusted thing in this country. Yeah, you know, I mean, you 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 could disagree with what they covered or whatnot, but generally speaking, I think most Americans thought these are factual news points that are happening in the world and I'm learning about it. I may have a perspective, but they're giving me the actual news. Now, nobody thinks that. Nope. Basically, nobody <laughs> thinks that. 29% of the U.S. believe in news. For all of the journos out there, that 29% might just be the journos. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. But I think it correlates to exactly uh, what you were talking about earlier, Holmes, which is like, you know, now people can seek information out on the internet on their own. So when you read something about how picnic is a racist word, you you can Google it and find out, no, that's that's wrong. And so now forever, your opinion of Brandeis yep. is changed. Yeah. Right. And and in the old days where it was, you know, the big three network news, people didn't really have that option. Right. Right. And so now with with everybody's got a computer in their pocket. Everyone has a smartphone. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So we have more agency in determining what is truth. That's true. Also, I think the, the, the past you know few years were very informative in the sense that a lot of journalists, I mean, for, for a number of given reasons, whether they wanted a book deal, whether they wanted more followers on Twitter, whether they wanted attention, were like, OK, if I go hard anti-Trump, I can I can get X done. I can get myself a book deal. I can oh, get yeah. myself noticed. I can get promoted. And they jumped on that. Like they went from journalists to activists, you know, pretty quickly and pretty significantly. And I think that like polarization is a huge problem now in the news business. Like if you ask, ask anyone, what do they consider to be a source of truth? Right. And now it's impossible to find anyone that the vast majority of Americans would agree. Yeah, to that's totally true. Yeah. And they've taught a whole new generation of, Amer of American journalists the wrong way to do their jobs. Right. I thought a pretty good example, we covered it on, on Tuesday, but a pretty good example was this Sheldon Whitehouse. Oh, yeah. All white club that, like, you know, was bouncing around the internet like crazy. There wasn't a single network news that yeah. talked about yeah, it. There Manu, wasn't a single. Manu Raju, why didn't you run him down? Yeah. You know, you're, you're waiting outside those elevators. Why didn't you go after Sheldon? It's interesting, right? Nothing. And, and it took, the, there's such a lack of intellectual curiosity. We talked about this with Tucker. Yep. There's such a lack of intellectual curiosity. It actually took Sheldon Whitehouse who put out a statement where he copped the fact that he was a member of a sailing club entirely separate from the beach club that's also all white. But right. it gets even worse. Is So news got out that Sheldon belongs not to one, not to two, but three all white clubs. Oh, so, come on. So he's a member of that Bailey's Beach Club, which was the first that you know re got reported out. Then he also belongs to that yacht club. And then he also belongs to what's called Newport's The Reading Room an all-white exclusive men's club on Bellevue Avenue next to the Viking Hotel. So he's going, he got the triple crown. Guy went for the hat trick of all-white clubs. It, it, <laughs> well, maybe if the entire press corps wasn't staked out outside Kirsten Cinema's office yeah. asking her for the 50th time if she's going to get rid of the filibuster, maybe they could do their jobs and track down some news. Seriously, they're not going to just walk like one block, talk to Sheldon, do your job, and they refuse to. It's, it's, it's pathetic. I had a joke. I'm going to keep it to myself or I'll get canceled. But <laughs> yeah, let's just go to let's let's play a game. Guys. Let's play a game. Let's play a game. It's candy and it's candy time. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So we're bringing back King of the Hill. King of the Hill it is. Oh, fantastic. Who do you guys have for us this week? So, Smug, 
uh, you have the the reigning champion, the reigning now, champion, Radio Free Tom, Tom. Nichols, yep. expert of experts. Um, I you know I I thought long and hard about this, and I I thought ultimately like why overthink this? Just bring the queen back. Just bring the queen back. So I got Jennifer Brainworms Rubin. Oh yes, and it's so good all the time. You know, you're never really disappointed by her. But the real challenge with her in selecting, kind of curating her tweets, is to figure out like what stands above the rest because any one of them could qualify. Yeah. All right, let's do this. All right, well, let's go ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Welcome back to King of the Hill. Brought to you by the Ruthless Variety Program. It's time for our main event. In the red corner of hiding out of the Washington Post. Standing five feet four inches tall. A former champion and current. Heck Madness Queen Jennifer Brain Worms Rubin. And now, in the blue corner, hiding out of the Harvard Extension Campus, standing five feet nine inches tall, a Tom. Radio Free Nickel. Okay. I'm excited for this matchup. Fantastic. I mean, yeah. It's nice to have Jennifer Rubin back. It is. It is. She's a she's a deserving champion. And I think I got a good shot today. Radio Free Tom is always a tough out. In in you know, the last he's come on late. Been very tough over the last month, six weeks or so. But I think I got what it takes today. Okay, so reigning champion, Smug has to go first in round one and round, th- um, round three. So let's hear it. Yeah, honestly, I was waiting to see if Holmes would drop the take. Yeah, first. right. I know. Yeah, right. But anyways. You're well, a gamer. You're a true gamer. I'm I, so used to being a champion. Oh. <laughs> I got, I got, uh, you know what? Let, let, let's start this off with a little bit of fire. Tom Nichols uh, on June 20th. He's replying to some folks. Absolutely not. Trump was a sitting president who sympathized with Nazis and white supremacists and had to be wrestled into disavowing David Duke himself. No way I'm dropping that analogy. Voting for Trump is no better than voting for Duke. Hold on. What's the, what's the context of this? So so he's just arguing with people on the internet as he typically is. You got to catch him in a reply. That uh yeah, it's that's the thing. That's the thing with this guy. You, you got to go through tweets and replies. God. That's uh, sort of a near tandem. He, he was it basically just like replying to people being like so Trump is like a clan member and then all his all his voters are also clan members. That was his take and he wow. dropped it in one little nuclear take at 10:30 at night. <laughs> Tom, you should be in bed. Go to sleep, put the phone down. How, voting for Trump is no better than voting for Duke. That's insane. That's insane. He accused what? How many? Like seventy million people. Right. Incredible. Good old Boomer reply at ten thirty at <laughs> night. It's a go to sleep, Boomer. <laughs> we love the Boomers on this podcast. Yeah, Sorry. I am one. So, um, I've got so many. I'm just trying to trim this. A real down. embarrassment of riches <laughs> over there. So many. You know the weirdest part about this game 
is is now that we play it so often like i don't check their twitter anymore yeah right because i know i'm gonna i'm gonna get it curated the best <laughs> stuff it's so good oh yes um okay so i think i gotta go with this because it's just so crazy through his appearance through his presence at tulsa and signing juneteenth Biden has done more to educate Americans about our racial history than any in my lifetime at a time when ours want mass amnesia. I can't compete. Let's be serious. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh, any in her lifetime. Any in her, she is not a young woman. How, how old is Jennifer? But, but I don't think you have to live very long in order to experience the first black president. Right. <laughs> That's my point. It's like... She's saying that Joe Biden has done more to educate Americans about our racial history than any in my lifetime. What? Other than calling uh, GOP voting bills uh, Jim Crow 2.0, what is what what where does the education come from? What 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 is she, what the hell is she talking about? <laughs> no, seriously, what the hell is she talking about? He signed a Juneteenth bill, right? It declared it a holiday. That's how he's done more to educate Americans about our racial history than any in her lifetime. That is truly, God bless her. Yeah, it's revealing. I would say there's like a shallowness to it that's really just <laughs> incredible, which is like to be expected from her Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. But also, like to say that about somebody who is after the first black president in right. her lifetime, right? Is really something like like. Literally, he was Barack Obama's vice president. <laughs> like he, he, you know what I mean? So like you worse. have to go out of your way to ignore omit. Barack Obama. <laughs> you have to omit. Yes, Barack Obama, yes. the first president. <laughs> <laughs> Think about how crazy that is. <laughs> uh, okay. They're both really good. All Trump supporters are racist. All Trump supporters are like David Duke supporters. David Duke supporters or the erasure of Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> I got to give it to Ruben. Oh. Holmes wins round one. It's all impossible. Right, all right. It's, and what makes it, I didn't even add this, but what makes it even a little bit better is the fact that she was a Republican at the time during Barack Obama. So right. she like very basically opposed him the whole way. Yes. Right? Yes. So she, <laughs> she like, got him on both ends. Now that she's a Democrat, she doesn't even <laughs> recognize Obama. <laughs> so bad. Um, okay. So now I go. Now you go round two. Okay, the question is whether I go for a knockout here. Um, uh, all right, I'm going to say, <clears throat> I'm going to use this one. So this is in the context of uh, Senator Warner, old-time Virginian senator who passed away. This week, there was his memorial service. Joe Biden gave the eulogy, right? Eulogy for Warner is such a skewering of today's R's who have none of his admirable qualities. 
It's like a sad it's event. It's a sad you're event. You're spiking the football at the guy's funeral service. <laughs> Turning it into like a pure a pep rally. <laughs> oh, I got this. This eulogy totally owns Trump, guys. <laughs> it's, it's so hard to get through I've her tr- stuff. I'm truly, I've missed Jen Rubin so much. <laughs> She's so bad. <clears throat> Smug, what do you got for us? Okay. <clears throat> This is from Tom Nichols, who's now trying to become the king of gaslighting, June 20th. It's good to debunk all this, but it won't matter. Critical race theory for conservatives now means anything discussing or any discussions I don't like about race. As is always the case, the strategy is to inject these terms into the popular bloodstream, but not give a shit about accuracy. Ooh, so he... <laughs> Hold on. This is a tweet in support of critical race theory? Yep. Basically saying, you know, it's that gaslighting that, oh, conservatives don't know what critical race theory is. Like, they they have a two-pronged attack. Number one, they say that conservatives don't know what critical race theory is. And then number two, they say, wait, it doesn't exist. Right. Just because, like, you see it on, like, school board curriculums uh, doesn't mean that's actually there. Like, are you going to trust your lying eyes? (laughs) Right. And he's kind of gone. Dude, he's gone whole hog straight up that— he, he he's really tapped into I guess his like lib followers really love his takes on race because he's gotten full on into like everyone who voted for Trump's a Klansman he's going now into no conservative knows what critical race theory he's figured means. out the algorithm yeah and he's trying to say like yeah. critical race theory means any discussion it's about race it's the wine mom algorithm is what yeah. it is yeah he's got it he's nailed it yeah that's why he can talk about first class and such right <laughs> Right. Excellent. Those people have never talked to a poor person. Right. Right. That's pretty good. Wow. Um, can you read that one one more time, Smug? Absolutely. It's good to debunk all this, but it won't matter. Critical race theory for conservatives now means any discussion I don't like about race. As is always the case, the strategy is to inject these terms into the popular bloodstream, but not give a shit about accuracy. Like Russiagate? And that's the thing is it's like like ties to the Kremlin. It's like the like complete being, lack of awareness. They like, did that for four fucking years. Bingo. Like it's been he's been part of the whole group that's been just pushing this nonsense into the mainstream. You guys know what's happening. Now. I got you I, know the judge and jury's smug going got, with smug. Smug got smug got that second reading you it was a nice presentation, smug, because yes. I know you put the judge and the jury on the track that he's most comfortable. Got me heated. With. Got yeah. me very, very heated. Mm-hmm. You know, they always accuse us of what they're actually doing. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that is one to one, sudden death, third round. Let's go. You got to go first, Smug. I love it. And this is a great one. Let's go. Another just brainworm take from June 18th. This is such a bad idea. But sure, why shouldn't some Catholic bishops lead a political attack on only the second Catholic president? I mean, there's no way that could backfire on the church or anything. Disclaimer, I'm not Catholic, but I know a bad idea when I see one. (laughs) From from the expert of experts, the death of expertise. Full disclaimer, I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, what I I just gotta say it. What I love about that tweet is it's like that meme where it's like Jesus talked about helping the poor. Um, so you're not a Christian. Of course, I'm an atheist, and this logic wouldn't work on me. But as a Christian, <laughs> totally, totally, you know what I mean? totally, it's like any time a lib quotes the Bible, yeah, yeah, you know, like 
like they're gonna change your opinion. <laughs> yeah, like right. I look down, I look down on you my entire life, but I wanted to use the Bible, your scripture. Yeah, I wanted to use your scripture. Yeah, something you. I don't understand against you. Which <laughs> are you convinced now, idiot? <laughs> pretty good that's great that is that is a really good one for round three it really is i've got two that i've been wrestling with i mean i'm really wrestling with this um oh both i think play well with the judge and the jury but i'm really like this is a flip of the coin i i don't know which one is right i feel like i've got to go with Okay, I'm going to go with this one. Most critical. McConnell doesn't control the R caucus. His most rational R's do. Why not just make Romney majority leader? (laughs) (laughs) Coming, Coming the week that they voted in unison against the Democrat voting sham bill. Right. <laughs> I guess the thing I love about Jennifer Rubin is like she's so shamelessly transparent in 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 her hackery, you know. Like she put up a tweet the other day. I saw this one because somebody had had RT'd it or quote tweeted it, where she's like, "The big news is Republicans just voted against national voter ID." About, oh yeah, I saw uh, that. So <laughs> I almost picked that. You know, but I mean, this is this that same sort of vein. Yeah, here. totally. You know? It's like, this isn't true, but I'd like it to be. Right. And so I'm going to say it with authority. With authority. <laughs> with authority. As if she's going to fucking Jedi mind trick us into into doing what she wants. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got to hand it to her, you know? It's like, it's at least a novel. Nobody's tried it before. Nobody's she, tried she it. She really is blazing a new path. She's very good at it. I got to say, Smug, this is this has been this might be the most epic battle we've ever had. It's really disclaimer. Good. I'm not Catholic, but I know a bad idea when I see one. <laughs> Majority leader Romney. I don't believe in these sacraments, but uh, they should give them to oh, Joe yeah. Biden. Oh yeah. Okay. Man, this is a mm-hmm. real coin flip. Really is. Um. Hmm. I think. I got to give it to Radio Free Tom. Oh, that was close. Oh, that was close. Can I can I ask you whether this one would have swayed? Because these are the two that I was on it. Uh, here's the other one. Yeah. Whereas Klain is described by allies and colleagues as sober, serious, policy-focused, Reschetti is reflects Biden's freewheeling extroversion, a gregari- gregarious, jovial schmoozer. Hey, Ron is fun, too. Wow. I do love the certain brand of Jen Rubin take that has an audience of like three people in yeah, town. Yeah, it's just Ron. It's just Ron. She just wants to get an RT from it's Ron. Just Ron and Rochelle. So thirsty for those RTs. Uh, look, look. I, I think I, the first, I think I want I chose this better. Was, was better. Ultimately, my, my decision there was that Radio Free Tom like basically insulted like an entire community of Catholics. And then... Uh, has no shame about Disclaimed saying that he has no I, I'm not a Catholic, you know, but <laughs> which is just, I think adds another level to it. And that's why he deserves the victory. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll take it on the chin, but I will say <clears throat> she put up a hell of a fight as she always does. I'll be back again next week.
All right. Well, with that out of the way, I wanted to get into one of my favorite topics, <laughs> a topic that you're essentially not allowed to talk about. I'm talking about Hunter Biden, folks. Yes. And, and this is a story that basically no one is covering, um, you know, which is pretty much part of the course for Hunter at this point. You know, if if, if charmed life, if there's some bad news about Hunter first, you know, you'll get uh, blocked on social media for discussing it. And then Dems will say this is Russian disinformation. And then they wait till the election's over and they say, actually, all of it was true. But <laughs> so what we have today is that apparently Hunter Biden has a 10 percent stake in a Chinese firm which invested in Chinese Communist Party-linked companies the U.S. sanctioned, and a tech company which assisted abuses against the Uyghur people, and a nuclear company which sought to acquire U.S. nuclear tech. Wow. I mean, come on. This is just unbelievable. I mean, like, what will it take? What will it take for, 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 for this guy to be in the news at all? It's like, you know, the entire media is just shielding this guy well, no matter it, how, it, what he does. It's what's so interesting about it is there's such an incredible volume of information on this guy. Yeah. That I feel like you, you ever see that episode of The Simpsons where Burns, you know, Mr. Burns has all of these diseases and he goes to the doctor and he's like, you are basically invincible because you have <laughs> all these diseases and he, he pulls all these little like stuffed animals and puts them tries to put them through a door frame and he's like all the diseases are trying to kill you at the same time and none of them can get through and that's kind of like hunter Biden. so 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 just to recap in like the last week the text came out that he was basically well he's using his cousin to procure women for him right that he calls asian uh women yellow yep um that he he had a multi-day drug and sex binge at Chateau Marmont. And wasn't it using his father's checking account? Apparently connected in some way. I don't know. That's allegedly to the in the reporting. And now this story. And now this. Well, I, I, let's let's also add, like, there's a sex tape of Hunter Biden out there. I mean, it's... Like, nobody's even talked no. about oh, that. Oh, wait, I think no. that might be Russian disinformation. No, that's what, literally what people said. Yeah. There is a sex tape of him out in existence that was on the Daily Mail, right? That, 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 like, nobody even. Can you imagine if, like, Ivanka or Don Jr. Right. had something like that? Oh, God. Do you think for a second that that would be shielded from public view? Absolutely not. Of course at, not. At what point would it be compromised? Against the White House. Exactly. That would you be know? the story. Right. The story. And, and they even, when they uh, asked Hunter Biden point blank, they're like, is this, you know, laptop thing? Is this because, of, is this due to the Russians? Do you think this is the Russians behind this? And he said, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> it's like, okay. Oh, yeah. But it's a, per it's a per perfect, like, a kid who gets in trouble in junior high. And they're like, what, what happened? Know. Did somebody talk you into this? You're like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Could so, be. Uh, so the Washington Examiner actually did cover this, and it says here, BHR, which counts Hunter Biden as a former board member and current significant stakeholder, has made extensive investments in multiple controversial Chinese companies, including MegV Technology, sanctioned in 2019 for its alleged participation in China's repression and high technology surveillance in Xinjiang, and the state-owned China General Nuclear Power Group, blacklisted Dude, in 2019 for having allegedly attempted to acquire U.S. Uh, nuclear technology. Wait, for military use in China. It's blacklisted? Yeah. He's invested oh, yeah. in a company that's blacklisted? Yep. Come on, man. No, no, I'm serious. Come on, man. This is really unbelievable. It is. Yeah. 
I mean, this, you know, the thing is that, like, remember how we were being told, oh, you know, if we elect Biden, this means we're going to have a, a pristine administration. There'll be return no to norms. Yeah. Uh, return to norms. And the media uh, thing is they want to pretend that attacking Hunter Biden is going after a guy with a drug problem. The Hunter Biden story is about the Biden crime family. All right. The Biden crime syndicate. They're peddling influence abroad. Well, Joe pretends to be this man of the people. Well, and also, I love the framing in the media about how, oh, we're t- attacking Joe Biden's ooh, boy, ooh, his family. And it's like, this guy's like 50 years old. Yeah. Well, yeah. Was everybody asleep for the last four years? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, are you kidding me? Like, I can only imagine Ivanka sitting somewhere in Miami like, um, excuse me? Yeah, Hello? Like, I'm pretty sure we attacked... They had the media attacking her for two weeks because at some point one of the lines in her apparel company made something close to China. Right. You know, this guy's invested in blacklisted companies. <laughs> and, you, do you remember and what that? kind yes. of companies? Like ones that are trying to steal American nuclear technology for the Chinese military and one that's like uh, using tech to suppress weirs? Like this is insane. But wow. That's our media for you. There you go. You know what? I think that's honestly a perfect segue into. into uh, our next game, folks. Oh, another game. That's candy, right. Candy and Cudlow. Candy and Cudlow. Oh, candy and Cudlow. It's time for Demo Journo. Let's hit the music. Demo Journo. 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 Nobody knows. All right, all right. I am, uh, I'm ready for this. I like, like this. This is a fun game. I love it so much. It's a really fun game. It's a fun game, and uh, we had good fodder this week. Well, it's nice because it sort of flips uh, King of the Hill on its head. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, you guys get to do the same process of discovery, the fun part mm-hmm. that I get to do in King of the Hill. So, um, let's get right to it. All of these are going to be themed on hr1 s1 the for the people act the vote in the senate nice <clears throat> so a lot of content a lot of content a lot of content and also to clarify this is going to be <laughs> it's gonna get the rules wrong again <laughs> how many damn operatives and how many journals i want you to guess i want you to guess actually what the that's game the is. first game yeah. the first game is smug guess does he know many... the rules yeah they're all journals and one operative yeah, hey, look, look at that. Folks. Look at that. Uh, this is just for the folks at home. What a know. clutch player! I credit Tucker Carlson for teaching. <laughs> yeah, teaching smug, smug the, game. the game. So again, for our listeners, that's three um, members of the media and one Dem operative. I will read all four statements, and then the two uh, two fellas here will will make their pick. Okay. Statement number one. There could be a silver lining for Democrats in the ongoing battle over voting rights. Oh, Jesus. The issue is a major motivator for progressives. It may serve to drive enthusiasm among black voters. Okay. A Democratic stand to protect our democracy met a solid Republican wall of opposition. Senate Republicans opposed even a debate. Okay. Statement number three. A sweeping Democratic voting rights bill was set to die with a whimper. Senate Republicans 
prepared to use their filibuster power to kill it. <laughs> okay. Mm. These are all just unbelievable. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> Senate Republicans blocked voting rights reform bill oh, despite unified Democratic support. Oh, my God. Okay. Those are the four. So, so hold on. Hold on. Um, first, let me just make an observation about all four of these, which is if you're calling this voting rights, you're a hack of the highest order. Yep. Yes. The highest order. There is nothing about voting rights in here. Not, not, not a single thing. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of campaign finance stuff that deals with taxpayers funding things, disclosing nonprofits, a bunch of that stuff, and then mandating from the federal government how states conduct their elections. Right. It has absolutely nothing to do. It's there a is federal not a single, takeover of elections. Is there's what not it a is. single American who is currently disenfranchised who would be enfranchised by this particular bill. So right. therefore... The ve- it just pollutes the Voting Rights Act, yep. pollutes the very idea that generations of civil rights leaders have have literally died for. Right. In trying to put this piece of garbage bill in that category. You know, what's what's so interesting, and I think the, the Democrats actually succeeded in one way. They called it jim crow what the republicans were so they almost kind of like moved the overton window yeah you're to right the left 100 percent. and that then the new center of gravity in the debate became well this is a voting rights it's bill. Vote. it's not ju- people agree people disagree yada 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 but it's a voting rights bill you know it doesn't because have a single- the alternative is jim crow it, and it, it by the way none of this has any implications in terms of of like racial equities right none of it right it's just pure fiction okay these are all really unbelievable. Let me know if you need me to read one uh, uh, one of these again. I've got one that I'd like you to read again. I'd uh, like to read number two. Okay. A democratic stand to protect our democracy met a solid Republican wall of opposition. Senate Republicans opposed even a debate. Okay. Okay. I think I got mine. I think you I know what. So, so how do we... How do we, um, do you want me to like him just to show fingers and so it doesn't, um, so we're going to be super fair about this. Let's, I think we should be super let's fair. Let's be super fair. Well, I'm see, this, this is the, this is like, you know, we're doing this in studio now for the listeners at I'm home. I'm going to turn so. around okay. so he can just show the fingers. Uh-huh. Okay. This is my guess for them. Okay. And then- Smug has entered. His guess. All right. Okay. That's up to you. Go and then me. I think, you know, you can open, you can do it however you want and yeah. he can interject for his. Well, let me, let me. But I'm, you should gonna, give your answer gonna, up top. I, I should give my answer up top. My answer up top is number two. Ooh, interesting. Um, what was your answer? Mine was three. And, and here's my thing on number two is I guess that's a journal because it's so wild. I think Duncan picked it to throw us off. That's a good, that's it's a good, good strategy. It's not he's good trying strategy. to like, you know. Reverse psychology. So let, let me let me just walk through because I I do this a little bit differently than mm-hmm, you do mm-hmm, without mm-hmm. the magic and the intuition. That's what I roll with. I do with uh, you know roughly a couple of decades of talking to journos. Um, <laughs> silver lining, journo tip. Silver lining is always the way for them to p- give what their view of the sunny Ooh, optimism side of mm. why Democrats and th- themselves should be okay. Right. With all this. Silver linings. Every time you hear silver line, n- no operative says it. Journos love that. Okay. Uh, whimper. 
is a uh, you see that in a lead a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was I thought it was Jerno. It could very well be an operative, but I thought like I don't think really a operative is going to call their own effort a whimper. Okay, and then four. I just thought it was just straight up journal. I didn't even think I didn't even think that that was. I thought that was just straight up journal. So the reason I I settled on two, be, was because the entire spin from Democratic operatives was a, a process one. It wasn't about the underlying substance because they had to get Joe Manchin on board. Mm-hmm. And in order to get Joe Manchin on board, they had to say it was even a debate. Ah, right. Because it wasn't it wasn't about the substance which Joe Manchin opposed. Right. It was about the debate. Mm-hmm. Over voting rights. You know, what I recall is when Democrats filibustered Tim Scott's police reform bill, nobody wrote about how Democrats refused to even debate no. stopping police brutality. No. Right? No. That's weird how that gets framed. Um, but Holmes is correct. Number oh. two Dude, is actually that's Joe, Joe Biden. Joe Biden said that. Yeah, even a debate. That is that is incredible. Um. Number one was Alexandra Jaffe from uh, Associated Press. Perfect. Uh, number three was the New York Daily News. And number wow. four was ABC News. Yeah, yeah, that's ABC. is just unbelievable. Um, I got to read. Well, I, I chose not to include this one because it was Greg Sargent, oh, you yes. know, and he writes for the blog at, at the Washington Post. But I, I, I did find this tweet, which I just thought was so incredible in its advocacy. Uh Joe Manchin will vote to move to debate on voting rights legislation. This is a real step forward. It means that something like Manchin's compromise could pass the Senate if the filibuster were ended. That should force a debate on the real consequences of keeping it. <laughs> I mean, that's nuts, just like you, you, you might as well go and work for American Bridge. <laughs> that is nuts. I can't believe the Washington Post actually pays somebody to write that in their own paper. Hell, they unbelievable. It's like, oh, well. They're basically the same thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's a little bit more thoughtful. But you know what? We split the games today. There, yeah, there you go. We split the games. What a games great episode. It's nice. All right, let's get to this interview because Larry Kudlow is the man and he's <laughs> funny and he he provided some context in the economy that I think everybody's really going to enjoy. I want to welcome to the program Larry Kudlow, the host of Kudlow on Fox Business and the former director of the National Economic Council for President Trump. Larry, welcome. Thank you very much. Listen, I think the last time I saw you, uh, I was walking through the White House shortly after sort of the pandemic uh, had had begun. And I took a measure of confidence and comfort in knowing that you were helping to guide economic policy, something that uh, I basically have no confidence in the Biden administration. Give me your assessment on uh, how this crew is doing. Well, they're just going wrong way. I mean, they're, they want to reverse all of President Trump's pro-growth policies, tax cuts, minimizing regulations, energy independence. They are uh, rabid antitrust. Uh, Basically, you know, you look at the headlines and you look at the kind of spending and taxing that they're proposing. You look at what they're doing. Uh, Was it just yesterday I saw what was this? uh, this uh, prairie chicken 
thing <laughs> that they wanted to put up. It's an endangered species, prairie chicken. And the only problem with that is uh, the range of the prairie chicken would shut down about 75% of our oil. Incredible. It, it runs <laughs> yeah, right through it, including, including the Permian Basin. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sure the, the prairie chicken is a charming animal, but I don't think it's that charming. Yeah, I mean, I had, it's funny, I had uh, Mike Huckabee on the show, and his, his idea was we should be eating more chickens. <laughs> and then he said that, it's so great. He says, we should, let's see, we should be eating more chickens and we should, oh, I know what it was. Uh, Tyson's Food down in Arkansas Hell yeah. said that the, the roosters, the roosters are not producing enough chickens. So my thought was instead of endangered species, which would destroy 75% of our oil, we should just put some Viagra into the food of the roosters. Problem solved. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's that you know, kind I'm, of... I'm a pragmatist. I've always been a pragmatist. <laughs> well, it's that kind of outside-the-box thinking that built uh, the strongest economy yeah. of, our, of our couple of generations, Larry. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask you a couple of specific questions. Um, one, a big concern that we've had that we've talked about a lot on the program is, is inflation and the fact that Americans across the country are paying you know, three or four times for daily household items what they were a year ago. Um, what's your level of concern? Well, look, I'm of two minds on the inflation story. Uh, number one, there's no question the inflation numbers are heating up. Uh, I happen to think it's mostly a one-off because of the strong rebound from the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, the pandemic's a funny thing. You know, a lot of economists, either for political reasons or just stupidity, didn't understand that you're having a, a natural disaster, a natural disaster catastrophe. That's different than an ordinary recession or a deep recession or a depression. Right. Because when the disaster passes, I mean, think of it as like a, a gigantic, horrible hurricane. But when the hurricane passes, if the underlying business situation was, was good, then it'll snap back. So, you know, a year ago, I was arguing the V-shaped recovery. I was getting my brains beaten in mm -hmm. uh, as a White House as a White House communicator, but I think that's what's happened. It's the, the economy has come back much stronger. So a lot of prices that collapsed and a lot of supply chains that collapsed are now in the process of coming back. And mm. in the short run, prices rise. I mean, I'll give you an example, um, the supply chain business. So the port, the biggest port in America is LA uh, it's Long Beach in L.A., California, and the, the ships, the ships were backed up, and nobody could unload the cargoes. But now all of that is passing. It's it's getting straightened out by normal, you know, business market forces. So deliveries are going to improve, 
and that's going to bring down prices. The same is true for commodities. Um, now, that's not to say, this, because I am concerned with the risk of inflation, if the Federal Reserve uh, keeps pumping out large quantities of free money, mm -hmm. and if Biden's tax hikes go through, you're going to choke off the supply side of the economy. You're not going to get the production. So therefore, you'll have too much money chasing too few goods. And that would be a long-term inflation problem, okay? That would be. Right. I, I just don't know yet. I mean, you may know more, but nobody knows what's going to happen with the corporate taxes and all the other capital right. gains taxes and so forth. Is it going to get through? Reconciliation work? Uh, and what is, I, I think the Fed is so far playing its cards okay. I'm more worried about jacking up taxes and regulations and also uh, destroying our energy sector. That's right. They, these people are, these, people are uh, these are crazy people. The, the Green New Deal is crazy. And um, we do have issues. I'm not a climate denier, but I am a denier that it's a... Um, existential threat the, mm -hmm. the official reports do not show that even the worst case show, i mean um uh what's his name uh the, the guy who was the energy scientist for obama he just has a book out um called unsettled uh if my brain works here i'll think of his name in a minute mm -hmm. uh, but the point is even the official even the official reports from the energy department or the International Energy Agency, and worst, the worst case possible, uh, like a four-degree jump in, in the next 90 years, would take one five-hundredth of 1% off of GDP. That's all. Right. And if you would, you know, tax cuts and deregulation would solve that uh, right away. Um, I'm killing myself. I can't think of the I think is his name Stephen Coonan? Yeah, it's Steve Coonan. Thank you. Yeah. Steve Coonan's new book, Unsettled. And all he's saying is that what the media and some politicians are reporting is untrue based on the official reports from the Energy Department and the IEA. It's just not true. They're creating this hysteria. Yeah. And what they'll wind up doing is setting timetables and choking off production and pipelines as they've already done in the XL, in ANWR, uh, and that will decimate the economy. I mean, it will decimate the economy. I'm in favor of electric vehicles, okay? I know Elon Musk and he's a smart guy, mm -hmm. and I've ridden in his cars, but you can't say in five or 10 years, all combustion engines must be gone. <laughs> right. We can't do that. We don't, we don't even have the batteries to do it. We don't even have, we don't even have the the critical raw materials to produce the damn batteries. So <laughs> that's right. Crazy. Something worth thinking crazy. about, right? Something worth thinking about whether you have the batteries to actually accomplish the mission. <laughs> I mean, it's just we don't. And, and by the way, in order to generate the, the raw materials, what is it? Lithium is one of them. Um, that will create global. That that will will. That's right. Carbon. <laughs> that's right so, so the craziness i mean these are crazy people that's all, that's all. They, i don't know if they, they may be socialists 
uh, or, or some, you know, weird brand of AOC, Bernie Sanders socialism. I, but I don't want to make that judgment call. I just know they're crazy people. And <laughs> they're going to destroy the economy. Well, we'll send a couple of bags of chicken Viagra down and see if we can't reverse all this, all these problems yeah. they've started. <laughs> that, would, that, would really, that would really help. It's the prairie. It's the, it's, it's, oh, by the way, I want to get this right. It's the male prairie chicken. Okay. Okay. Gender specific. All right. Well, it's nice to know that they're binary in the chicken uh, world still. I keep track of what chicken is what. Let me, Larry, let me ask you, um, you've had an incredible career. Wall Street, TV, White House. Where, where did the, uh, where the last year in the White House rank in terms of, were you having any fun? Were you, I mean, the consequential nature of the work that you were doing was through the roof, right? I mean, this is a, this is a generational uh, event that has happened and you were able to pilot what was the best economy that, you know, we've had certainly in the last hundred years through the worst pandemic we've had in a hundred years. Uh, where does that rank on your scale? Well, it was a tough year. It's a very difficult year because you, you get blindsided, you know, by a, a once in a century kind of event. And, uh, I sat on the, uh, on the Pence COVID task force. Uh, they had Mnuchin and I on there for, you know, economic policy input. Uh, look, I, I've always felt, you know, first of all, Josh, it was NEC director for me was a job of a lifetime. Mm. It was a wonderful opportunity, a, a great blessing. And I, as you may know, I had worked as the OMB deputy 40 yeah. years earlier under Ronald Reagan, which was a wonderful experience also. But this one, it was a difficult year, but I've always said this was a hard year for every single American. This was a hard, hard thing. First of all, with the, the casualties of COVID and Second of all, the shutdown, the lockdown, which was very, very damaging. Not only did it put the economy out, but it was very damaging for the kids. It was yeah. very damaging for the parents. You know, there are a lot of psychological costs involved, economic costs involved. And it was difficult. But I think the anxiety level uh, for everybody, I mean, I've talked to a lot, lot of people. I've talked to shrinks. I've talked to doctors. Um, it's a tough year. Yeah. And I hope it doesn't happen for another hundred years, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, no, but here's no the kidding. wonderful Here's the wonderful thing. You know, I'm a, it, optimism is part of my DNA. You, you look at what's happening with the economy today. The economy is now booming. And we've come alive because of the vaccines. And even though Biden won't admit it, that was Trump's vaccine from Operation Warp Speed. Yep. And that was probably the, the single most important thing. You know, we financed these pharmaceutical companies. We financed them. We bought their inventory before they had an inventory. And we used the American private sector with their creativity. You know, the Pfizer's of the world and so forth. Yep. And it worked. 
Okay, it worked. It's it's uniquely American, but it worked. So yep, no question about it. The rest of the world is trying to figure out how to catch up at this point, and I I think it's a perfect time to be incredibly proud to be an American with this kind of system because you look at what's happening right. in Europe and Canada for crying out loud. I mean, it's it's even right in our border. Yep, I agree, and you know that that's a remarkable achievement. It shows the benefits of the free enterprise system. And the tragedy is that the Bidens are basically trying to take down the free enterprise system. I mean, their policies are assaulting investment and uh, productivity and creativity and risk. And they, you know, they're class warriors. They want to go after so-called rich people uh, none of these tax hikes that they ever get through will generate the revenue they think they're going to get. It will damage the economy enormously. It will turn turn a, a post-pandemic boom into a bust. And it's exactly the wrong direction. Centralized government planning, Josh, never works. Never. Okay? <laughs> never. Just, I mean, we the Soviet Union, Eastern Europe, Venezuela, Cuba, uh, even China, you look at what they're doing in China. Uh, Xi, President Xi is, you know, dictator for life, but they are centralizing the Chinese economy and they're going to get worse and worse results from that, by the by. So Biden's wrong way and has to be defeated, in my opinion. It ha- mm-hmm. We have to stop the reconciliation bills. We have to stop the Green New Deal and we have to whoop them next year and retake Congress, which uh, I think we can do about it. Here, 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 here. That is a prescription we can get on board with. Larry, I got three quick questions and I'll get you out of here. These are the ones that the uh, yeah. listeners of the program appreciate the most. So here's, here goes the first one. Your last meal on earth, what would it be? Oh, it would, um, it would be a Dover soul. Oh, very good. Very good. Any particular place to have this Dover sole? Is it just uh, any Dover sole will do? If it, no, well, Dover sole is Dover sole. Um, I like it grilled. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the best in New York was La Grenouille, uh, uh. which is probably the finest restaurant in New York. But I don't know if they're going to reopen. I'm quite worried about that. Yeah. On well, the other hand, if you want a Dover sole on the cheap, uh, Nicola's, which is a fabulous Italian restaurant in the Upper East Side of New York, they have excellent Dover sole. Dover sole Amandine. <laughs> I love it. Those are good recommendations. All right. So, Larry, if you were never involved in, in, your, in your job as an economist, in your nexus, in politics, what would you want to be doing with your life? I wanted to win Wimbledon. There you go. I knew we could count on you for a good answer there. <laughs> I, wa- I wanted to win Wimbledon. Uh, I was a good college tennis player. I, I played in prep school. I played the juniors. I played college. But unfortunately, there comes a time when you go out to uh, when you go out to like the the Orange Bowl for the Eastern Junior Championships, and you run up against the good-looking California. And you lose six love, six love, and you win three points because the other guy double faulted twice and missed a net shot. <laughs> 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 that, that you re- 
that you kind of realize that you're going to have to put your nose to the grindstone and seek <laughs> out for work. <laughs> Ran into a wood chipper. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. And I didn't know that, Larry. That's a great little tidbit. Really good tidbit. I, I still play a throwing tennis game. I bet. Uh, I play a couple times a week. But um, I I really wanted to win Wimbledon. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right. So third and final question. What motivates Larry Kudlow more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? Well, in terms of my life's experience, it's the agony of defeat. Mm -hmm. Um, I I love victories. I love to win. Uh, You know, I like to be part of the team that accomplishes some really great things. But in my personal life, Josh, I've had my ups and downs and I had a pretty rough crash and burn uh, actually 26 years ago. I'm coming up to my 26th uh, sober and clean anniversary. Yeah, congratulations. I, thank you, buddy. And I, I, I look back on things and I think that was what motivated me, you know, to, um, to go back to faith and to change my life and my behavior and make better decisions. So it was the agony of that defeat that was a real turning point in my life. What a terrific answer. Larry Kudlow, th- I can't thank you enough for sharing your time and giving us some insights. Uh, you're the best in the business. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it, Josh. Thanks a lot. Anytime. Great interview. Like I said, I mean, the guy is a legend. I, you know, hugely appreciate him coming on the show. And, and that's a nice little treat for the Minions, especially on this Candy and Cudlow episode. So great. So great. G- great to have a Friday episode. His suggestion about chicken Viagra was my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to get that anywhere else. That's for Friday, the variety right? program, only on Friday, chicken so, Viagra. So I hope all the Minions and our listeners enjoyed this, you know, another week with three episodes. What a banger. What a treat, folks. And thank you all for listening. Uh, Keep telling your friends. Hit that subscribe. Leave us questions. Leave us five-star reviews. Uh, So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.